Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, Pacer Nation? The Pacers just lost a very tough game to the Sacramento Kings, 127-122. Not the results we expected heading into this game, and I'm joined today by A.J. Reese and Naptown Hoops. Aaron, A.J., how you guys doing today, A.J.? I'm all right, just enjoying this late night. I'm used to this because got a really messed up sleep schedule at the moment, but would be doing a lot better if the Pacers start off the road trip with the win. Yeah, Aaron, you say you're a night owl most times. So uh, how are you doing tonight? I feel completely normal, but I wish the Pacers would have won. That was like a heart crusher right there. Yeah, so let's talk about this game. I mean, I don't want to spend forever talking about it, but I do think it's good to recap this game because the Pacers, you know, I, I think Denarian Buckner made a great point at the end of the game. Like any game the Pacers have lost this season, they've been in the game at the end of it. So it's not like the Pacers got blown out. Sac- Sacramento was just hot from three. The Pacers defense was bad. This is a game that we all kind of thought the Pacers really needed to win uh, to start this road trip off because they got some tough games ahead of them. But, AJ, I'm going to start with you. What were two of your big takeaways from this loss? I mean, one thing is the guys looked really tired out there. Like, I liked how some of the kids got more minutes, um, like seeing uh, Edmund Sumner in there for 11 minutes. Uh, Aaron Holiday only got 14, but, like, Seeing Edmund in there, getting some minutes, and Jakar, like, getting some energy out there. Um, I like that because, obviously, having Sabonis and Brogdon playing 38 to 40 minutes every night is not good, which happened again tonight. Uh, Brogdon had 38 and Sabonis had 40, so that's a lot. Um, So that's my first takeaway. My second one would be um, we really need a three to play while – TJ is out like because we don't have anybody with good size that can guard those threes and fours like we have the two good centers that can share that four and five but the threes that are good that can attack offensively like Harrison Barnes just can feed on Justin Holiday or Vic or whoever ends up on them yeah no that's a great point because Harrison Barnes had 30 points tonight he shot 10 of 14 from the field so he was on fire. He played 38 minutes as well, and, and so did De'Aaron Fox. So, um, But, yeah, I, I really think that with playing Justin Holiday, the Pacers did make a change to their starting lineup tonight, which was something we weren't sure if we were going to see after Aaron had struggled early on in the season, uh, taking over for TJ once he went down. Um, finally replaced him with Justin. And, and Justin, while he is a really good defender, holds his position well down in the post. I tweeted this out. He's 181 pounds. Harrison Barnes is 250 pounds. That's a 69 pound difference. So when you got that much muscle on you and that much extra body fat on you, you know, that's, 
that's just it's you can't do too much if you're Justin. You can try, but if you get pushed around on the low block, uh, 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 going up against a guy that's almost seventy pounds heavier than you, uh, what do you expect? So, Aaron, are there any other thoughts um, for you on this loss? Some takeaways that you saw from this game? Yeah, there's something that I saw you tweet about too with Victor Oladipo that he needs to not settle for three so much and actually drive to the hoop because he yeah. shot 18% from three. He was just chucking him up there. But when he actually went to the hoop, he was bringing us back to the game. I was going to use AJ's second point about the wing, but I was also going to say we wasted another great Sabonis game like Quinn and Chris talked about at the end. Sabonis went off again and we still lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, in your your point about Victor shooting, it's – it's been pretty bad. I was looking at the three-point shot of the last three games and five of 25 from three for Victor. So that's terrible shooting. And it's it's just not – he's not a good shooter. It's it's one thing to – I mean, he can hit him occasionally. He's very streaky. I think he's better under pressure when, when the game's on the line. Like, I trust him more then. But some of these shots he's putting up, like some are open. Some are a little forced. And I, I just like when Victor's getting to the free throw line, which he really hasn't been doing a great job of the last couple of games. But I like when he's getting to the basket. And when he runs that pick and roll with Domas, you know, it's really hard for teams to guard because Victor has such a great little first step. And then that, you know, that wraparound pass that he gets to Domas, a lot of times it really works well. And uh, that's that's just something the Pacers really have to work on. And honestly, I just feel like defensively we really struggled. And, A.J., I mean, were you surprised at all that Miles Turner was not in the game towards the end uh, of the closing minutes? Oh, absolutely. I I brought it up on Twitter a couple times uh, just saying, how is Miles not out there? And it's kind of crazy. I saw an interaction with Tony East and uh, – Alex Riley talking about it. And they said, why would he not be like subbed in during that review of the goaltend? But uh, Tony made it a point to say that you can't sub during reviews. And after that, there wasn't really a great opportunity unless they called a timeout. But yeah, I did not like the fact that miles wasn't in there, especially for that deer and Fox dunk. Like that just made no sense to me. Like they had Doug in there like for offense, but they didn't utilize them in the offense at all towards like down the Um, and you could clearly tell Miles was upset. Like, I noticed it first in uh, the Twitter video of De'Aaron Fox dunking. I see Miles sitting on the bench with his hand is like in his hand, uh, his head in his hand. And clearly, he was upset that he wasn't out there because he could feel like there's, like, if anyone's gonna stop De'Aaron Fox from driving in like that, it's gonna be Miles. Yeah, and I mean that the play before that was a broken play. Buddy Heald gets the ball. <laughs> at the three-point line and hits that baseline three-point shot to go for. And it was just like – it just felt like every single time the Pacers would get close, the Kings would just get a lucky break. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of the fourth quarter when Rashawn Holmes drills a three like five feet behind the three-point line with .7 left on the shot clock, and he just drills it from three. I mean, it just was one of those games that felt like the Kings were you know throwing the ball into the ocean and the Pacers were struggling. So – Aaron, Rashawn Holmes, this guy <laughs> was a game-time decision, and my goodness, he had a monster of a game tonight. Yeah, the, that three-pointer that he made just sums it up. I don't. I think I saw that he hasn't made a three in, like, the past two years or something. It's four. The last four years is what oh, I think Kristen Aries even, said. <laughs> even better. And then that goaltending slash block, that was – everything went downhill after that, which I don't understand how they couldn't – 
I know the rules changed, which is really upsetting because they couldn't review the goaltending in the playoffs, and then they do this in a meaningless – well, not meaningless. This could set up for a bad road trip after this, but that really just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, and, and so let's talk about that real quick before, you know, I, before we get into the next game. I want to just talk about this game in general and how we lost it. But going forward, there's still four games left on this road trip. Not sure if Victor will play tomorrow night because it is a second half of a back-to-back. But at the same time, you know, no McConnell, no TJ Warren, no Jeremy Lamb right now. If you have no Victor, like, you're getting really thin here and you're going to probably have to play Cassius Stanley uh Edmund Sumner heavier minutes which you know it's a good opportunity for him but not what you really want going up against a juggernaut in Golden State so with four games left I mean there's going to be four tough games I mean personally I said two and three would be a successful road trip and I understand that this loss does kind of set the Pacers back a little bit but I still think they can get two wins out of the next four games Aaron do you still think the Pacers can get two out of the next four wins yeah, if we actually play the Pacers basketball we started with with the season, actually playing defense, getting steals, going in transition, and making our threes because we've been chucking up threes and couldn't hit the ocean if we tried. But if we start hitting shots, playing some better defense, I think we could win. Yeah, AJ, I mean, the one thing I've noticed is Portland is playing Sacramento on the road Wednesday night, and the Pacers have them on Thursday. So that could be a game where they get a – little bit of a tired Portland team and then uh, maybe a revenge game against Phoenix on on that um, on that on that Friday or Saturday I think it's Saturday and then of Saturday course, and then tomorrow we got Golden State and Golden State if Steph has a bad shooting night you know who knows who's going to step up for them I mean it could be an opportunity for the Pacers to win that game so do you think the Pacers have a chance to go two and two for the rest of the road trip I mean, in the NBA, any team has a chance to go two and two, quite honestly. But I I see one and three, personally. I'm going to be the pessimist here. Just because if you look at it, they have the Warriors tomorrow, second night of a back-to-back, and they play at 10.30 p.m. So a later game than this one. It's all so right. That's going to be a tough <laughs> one. And Steph Curry's coming off the worst shooting game he's had in forever. So he's not going to be happy. Hope, like, hopefully he comes out and has a bad shooting game again. But – we all know how that goes. And then Trailblazers just hit a um, – C.J. McCollum just hit a big game winner over Pascal Siakam. Or not over him, but I don't know if it was, but against the Raptors. And then Suns have been playing great. You, um, and then Clippers obviously have been playing well too. Like, that's a hard four-game schedule. And the Kings is the one that you circle and you go, all right, this is the win. The rest will be hit or miss. And the fact that – like, the – the earliest game over the next four games is at 9 p.m. That's just tough for a team that's traveling so much over the next couple nights. And that's not good for the Pacers. And quite honestly, like with how many minutes players like the starters have been playing, I think they're going to be so worn down and they're going to be so ready to go home. Like I just don't see them playing super well over the next week, but I really hope they prove me wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's okay to be pessimistic, but at the same time, I think that when you look at this Pacers team over the course of multiple years, um, it feels to me like they always lose the games that you expect them to win, and then they pull out that one game you don't expect them to win. You know what I mean? Especially on road trips. It's like (laughs) you you look at it, and you're kind of like thinking in your mind, like there's no crowd right now, so it's a little bit different, but 
you're looking at the schedule like, oh, we don't really play well there. Probably going to lose that. Definitely going to win against this team because they're not very good. And then it's like ends up those two get swapped somehow. And it just feels like that happens sometimes with the Pacers where they win games you don't really anticipate them winning. So honestly, like I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. Like it's still early on in the season. We're just 10 games in. We're six and four. Sacramento has been playing absolutely garbage recently. And they've been giving up. I think it was like an average of 24 points. Uh, was their deficit in the last three games they lost. So I don't I don't think that they're that bad of a team. I just think they're a very streaky team, and tonight they were hot, and the Pacers had no answer for them, and that's got a lot to do with the Pacers' defense. The Pacers' defense has been absolutely atrocious the last couple of games, so they got to work on some things. And, you know, I, I want to go back to your point that you brought up earlier, Aaron. You said it's another great Domas game and another Pacers loss, you know. I just want to be the first one to say this. I don't, I think we're going to get these kind of Domas games for the rest of the season with how much he's playing, how much he's used and how many centers there are in the NBA that aren't very good. And I think he can really feast. So to me personally, it's like, it's gotta be the other guys. And, and this is a guy in Doug McDermott who was eight to 10, but hardly saw the ball towards the end of the fourth quarter would have liked to have seen them run some more Doug and Domas action because that two man game is, Super, super good. And if you got a guy as hot as Doug out there on the floor, only missing two shots, I, I feel like you got to give him the ball a little bit more. What do you think about that, Aaron? Yeah, Doug was going off. He had most of his points and wasn't it like the second or third quarter. And then they just stopped feeding him towards the end of the game when nobody on the team could score. So I think it's just some rookie coaching mistakes by Nate. You got to feed the hot hand and try to salvage a very, very rough one. Yeah, and it's like, you know, Brogdon didn't play bad. He was 9 of 18, shot 50% from the field, 40% from three. So that's where you'd like him to be at. It's just, you know, the contributions on the defensive end is where the Pacers struggled. It wasn't offensively. It was all in the defensive end. And if you look at the team stats and you start looking at points off turnovers, the, the Pacers had six less turnovers than the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento had 19 turnovers, but the Pacers only scored 13 points off those turnovers. On the other hand, on the 13 turnovers the Pacers had, Sacramento scored 26 points on those turnovers. So, AJ, like, if, if the if the Kings – I mean, if you look at the numbers, besides the field goal percentage, it was all relatively close on the attempts and the makes, but it just it just felt like in the turnover battle they just had their – they had the upper hand there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at all the stats realistically, like Pacers were neck and neck with them in a lot and even won some of like the more crucial ones. Like they had more offensive rebounds by a couple. Uh, they're like they didn't have as many total rebounds, uh, three less assists. Um, they had eight more steals, which was crazy. But and they um, they still had 12 turnovers, which isn't good. Um, but like the key stats that really stuck out to me was those like points after turnovers but when you have Darren Fox you can just sprint faster than anybody in the league it's kind of hard it's hard to stop some of those after the steals um another thing that stuck out to me with that is like Pacers had more fouls but they also shot better from free throw line and they shot two or they made two less threes like the whole night I was thinking like, man, Kings can't miss, but they only made 15 threes. The Pacers made 13. It's just the fact that the Pacers shot 39 and they only shot 32. Like the mm -hmm. point, like it was 33% compared to 47. So right. 
I mean, that really stuck out to me more than the points off turnover just because it felt like the Kings couldn't miss and it felt like the Pacers just couldn't guard. Well, yeah, and I think that's a great point because to me personally, it just felt like the Kings weren't hitting a ton of threes. It just felt like the ones they hit were so big. And I don't know how many times flat-footed Tyrese Halliburton would pump fake and we would fly right by him. It was absolutely driving me crazy. That was one thing that I really noted. I didn't tweet about it, but it was like, here's a flat-footed rookie that's pump faking and our guys are flying by him all the time. And then he would, you know, take one step over and knock a couple of them down. So I was just like, Oh, this is killing me. But yeah, it just, it's just this Kings team is not that good to me. It's not a good, it's not a good loss for the Pacers, but at the same time, they lost by five. Maybe you can say it was eight before Brogdon threw that last three in there, but still it was a game that was really competitive. So you got to move on from this one. You can't dwell on it. And thankfully there is a game uh, tonight against the Golden State Warriors at 1030 on NBA TV. And you mentioned it, Steph coming off one of his worst shooting performances of the season. So hopefully he does not come out guns a-blazing against the Pacers. But Aaron, in this game, um, if Victor does play or doesn't play, I guess that's a big question. But what are some other questions you have for this game uh, coming up against the Warriors? Well, of course, Steph is obviously a, a scary one to come up against after his worst shooting performance. But I feel like Kelly Hubre set up for like a perfect game tomorrow. The Pacers just get destroyed by the most random people at the most inopportune times. But also something that people haven't noticed, I don't think, is that Andrew Wiggins has been one of the best defenders in the league this year. So that's kind of scary, especially if Vic's not playing one of our best scorers, slashers. I'm just I'm kind of worried tomorrow, but I think we can pull it out or today, technically. Yeah, yeah well, it is today. It's one o'clock in the morning as we're recording this. And so um, just breaking here from Scott Agnes, Nate Bjorkren says that he wishes he had got Miles Turner back into the game sooner. He tried with 120 left after Sabonis basket was waved off, but you can't sub then. Probably should have had him earlier, five or six minutes to go in the game. So, you know, AJ or Aaron, I can't remember which one of you said it, but you said rookie coaching mistakes. I think that right there, you know, at least he's owning it. And maybe we can see if him owning it will lead to a different result as the team continues to uh, grow early on. But I mean, Six and four, it's not bad. It's it's a decent start to the year, and I'm, I'm glad that they're on the winning side of the record uh, win-loss-wise. And so now, now, AJ, for you against Golden State, Andrew Wiggins has been playing good defense, but Kelly Oubre, another guy they picked up, they drafted James Wiseman and Dr- Draymond Green's back. So what are some things you're looking forward to in this game against the Warriors? Um, quite honestly, like <laughs> – I'm not as excited to watch the Warriors as I have been in the past. Like, just not having Clay Thompson there is such a big, like, buffer for them. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, they're still, what, they're trying to try, – try, ah, sorry, I'm trying to check their record at the they're moment. They're 6-4 and four like us, yeah. 6-4, and four, okay, yeah. So, I mean, they're still right along there at getting wins. Just after that slow start they had, they got slandered so much on the internet, like – they're just not as fun as they used to be. And so much of NBA Twitter is little kids who bandwagoned over to be Curry and Clay Thompson fans. But um, it will be interesting to see how uh, Kelly Oubre shoots, just how he couldn't make a basket, like the whole first part portion of the season, like the first week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing how he plays will be interesting. Um, seeing if Vic plays will also be a big takeaway, obviously. 
Oh, and one thing I'd like to point out is Aaron did say the thing about rookie coaching mistakes, but I will gladly take, I'll gladly claim that because <laughs> he's not wrong. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm always excited to watch the Pacers, but man, ten thirty game on a back second night of a back to back is going to be tough. It, it will be tough, and I, you know, I just to me, I feel like this is a game that we might win. I just in the back of my mind, I keep thinking even if there's no Vic, these guys. You know, they might come out and play, play with a chip on their shoulder. It's going to be a tough game. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the, the Warriors have won four of their last five games, and Draymond Green to me is just somebody that doesn't get enough talk, uh, doesn't get talked about enough. Like, we talked about him a lot during the, uh, the 2016 NBA Finals when he got suspended. We talked about him a lot when he was Defensive Player of the Year, but he's gotten himself into shape, and he doesn't have to necessarily score a ton of points to be super impactful. And, you know, you said you kind of miss seeing Clay out there on the court. As a basketball fan throughout the regular season, I do. But going up against the Pacers, Clay has given me many a nightmare. So I'll <laughs> gladly be okay watching just, just the Pacers trying to contain Steph because I'll live, I'll live with Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, you know, taking shots to try to beat us. I mean, they're not bad basketball players, but I'll live with them trying to be the Pacers over a guy like Steph Curry. So, um, Aaron, as we kind of wrap this podcast up, are there any thoughts that you have overall on this Pacers team that you'd like to share? I just think after – even if we lose, people need to stop overreacting because we have a new coach and you're supposed to have those growing pains. They didn't come right away, and now they're starting to show it should be expected. I don't think everyone should be freaking out if we keep losing. Mm-hmm. Come on, Aaron. We're Pacers fans. We got to overreact. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, AJ, same question for you. Any thoughts? Uh, my one thing is Emma Sumner has to get more minutes. That's my piece. I mean, he's a good basketball player. I think he needs to find his way in the rotation. Aaron's playing like garbage, quite honestly. And I love Ed, like big hype train fan. Uh, I was One thing I asked Tony East about is if Vic sits out tomorrow, who takes that third like that starting spot if Justin Hall is American. And he said there's a chance that it could be Sumner or Cassius Stanley just because they fit that like position. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was right before Justin was announced that he would be starting. So there's probably a good chance that it could be both the Holiday brothers, which might end up working because they play a lot better with each other on the floor. I mean, Justin, it doesn't really impact, but Aaron plays a lot better with Justin on the floor. Yeah, I think that's who they'd probably go with as well. Um, if there's no Vic, it'd be Brogdon, the Holiday Brothers, and then Turbonus. And then off the bench, you're going to have Sumner with with Dougie McBuckets and then probably some Jakar sprinkled in. You might get some Cassius Stanley, maybe some Keelan Martin. I mean, you never know. Uh, he, he didn't play well in the limited time that he got earlier on in the season. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, but I thought Cassius Stanley played pretty well in that two-minute stretch there against the Phoenix Suns on Saturday night. So maybe, you know, this is an opportunity for you to give your young mm-hmm. rookie some extra minutes, and just that athleticism is beneficial. Another but, factor know. would be is if uh, TJ McConnell comes back. Like, Oh, I would be shocked if he'd getting, be back. Yeah, I'll say he's probably not getting much sleep right now anyways with the newborn. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, Still. there's no doubt about that. I, I think it'll be probably Thursday at the earliest before we see TJ, I just, with everything that's mm-hmm. going down right now with the COVID outbreak in the NBA and games being postponed, who knows how protocols might change by then and now. So 
kind of just have to monitor yeah. that. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult because this team really needs that steady hand in the backcourt and especially off the bench and really just the energy that he brings. Like I think Sumner brings it, exactly. and I, you know, Sumner does bring it, but it's a different level than what McConnell does because like McConnell will pressure inbounds passes and, and play your full court. I didn't really see a whole lot of that tonight. And his, his ability to see the floor is just probably so much better than any of the young guards that we have. And he's just so steady and consistent with it. I mean, you you look at McConnell and you say the guy can't shoot threes, and he's a little and he's really small. So <laughs> there's reasons to be concerned. Sounds about, like Aaron. Yes, but you know, but Aaron, <laughs> he's got athleticism. He's got longer arms. He's got like a six foot seven wingspan for only being six foot two or whatever he's listed at. And McConnell is just like, no, he's like six foot one, six foot two, and that's his wingspan. You know, he's not like some massively like athletic, you know, super free guy, but he just, he's steady. He's energetic and he's a coach's son. You just, you could just see it in him and the struggles from Aaron Holiday. I don't know what's going to get him to change, but he's got to figure it out. Um, but overall, I mean, I just, I don't really know what to expect tomorrow, but I think it'll be a competitive game, whether Vic plays or not. And you just got to keep Steph Curry from going off for 62 points. <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed know. to be a dig at both Aaron's actually. So Aaron Holiday oh. and Aaron on the pod because I just want to make a joke at him. But also Aaron Holiday can't buy a basket at the moment, so <laughs> it works both ways. <laughs> well, Aaron on the pod, how is your basketball game? I'm. I think I shoot better than Aaron Holiday right now. If yeah. you if you put my if you put my friend right in front of me, I shoot right over him and. I'd score 60 for the Pacers right now. <laughs> I say that any Indiana boy can pop, like shoot a three from anywhere. Might not make it, but they'll we'll shoot, shoot it confidently. It. <laughs> exactly. No, no doubt about that. So, of course, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. And, you know, it's a late night, so it's it's good to talk about this game. But at the same time, I think all of us are ready to put this game behind us, get some sleep, and – Look forward to watching the Pacers all over again tonight against the Warriors. And then we can get a little bit of a break on Wednesday, come back and watch that game Thursday against the Blazers and the, the two headed sword back there with McCollum and Lillard. So Aaron, where can people find you at on Twitter? And do you have anything coming out for eight points, nine seconds or what's going on with your podcast? Uh, you can find me at, at Napton hoops on Twitter. I have, Technically, two podcasts: the Napdown Hoops podcast with AJ, and then I do Not Bad Analysis. So it's like NBA with my friend. It's not oh. as serious. <laughs> I'll get the podcasting is going to step up when I go back to school, which is in like tw- what's the day? Twenty days. I th- so you can check out the Napdown Hoops podcast, Not Bad Analysis podcast, and I need to get working more on eight point nine seconds. But you can find me there too. All right, AJ, where can people find you at? What's going on in your in your world over there for the Pacers? Well, I, you can find me at AJ Reese NBA on Twitter and then AJ Reese 13 on every other social media. Um, I don't do any writing because I've never been a big writing fan, been more of a math guy, and I've never really tried, quite honestly, uh, with writing about sports. Uh, currently searching for some sort of internship or job at the moment. So if I can find one or anybody's out there and likes my sports stuff, <laughs> let me know because I need some money because I'm in college and I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I understand the struggles. So <laughs> hopefully Absolutely. the stimu- hopefully the stimulus got you a little bit through the day, but 
Well, my problem is I still I live at home because I'm only eighteen. Like I'm I'm commuting to IUPUI, so like I'm still as a dependent. So didn't get that stimulus, (laughs) sadly. Yeah, that's right. You know, when you're 28, you kind of forget forget (laughs) what it's like to to be under your parents, and when they're claiming on their taxes, ah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Got that whole thing going for you. But anyway, Pacer fans, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Setting the Pace. You can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And I'm at Alex Golden NBA, and I'll be back on Wednesday afternoon with Mike Focci to recap the Warriors game and look forward to the Portland Trailblazers game. We will talk to you all then. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.